Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Scripture in Black and White. Uh, we are so thrilled that you have joined us again on another episode. Uh, listen, this whole season we've been dealing with uh, things relating to the family, uh, marriage and parenting and uh, raising our kids in so many areas relating to the family. And we pray and hope that this has been uh, beneficial to you. Uh, today, again, we've got another special guest uh, on this season. We've had several this season, uh, and I can't wait to hear about our next guest. Bobby? Thank you, Anthony. It's good to be with you. Uh, it's great for this session where we're actually going to uh, hear from a woman that uh, we both highly respect about how a woman can be, uh, here's the expression, that we're going to find out about a strong help to her husband. Uh, we have another session where we talk about how a husband, 25 ways that a husband can be a Christ-like head to his wife and family. And uh, now we're going to hear uh, about, about a woman and what she can do from a woman, which is way better than us men talking about it. Uh, and uh, I'm so grateful for Renee Sproul's who's the Director of Cultural Engagement at Renew.org Network. Renee has done a lot of writing. She's really a subject expert on men and women and gender. Uh, recently, she published a large book. Uh, I've, I've actually got it here in my hand. I hope we can put it up on the screen. It's called uh, Male and Female, A Biblical Look at Gender, which is a really uh, important deep dive on the topic. Uh, she also joined with me, and uh, we published a book. It's a shorter book, just 80 pages for church leaders, and it's entitled Five Conversations on Men and Women for Church Leaders, which is a companion uh, to Male and Female, A Biblical Look at Gender. So, Renee, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for developing this subject expertise to help godly families, to help us all follow King Jesus. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Awesome, awesome. Renee, what, what we've been doing with uh, each of our uh, special guests uh, and, and those with whom we're interviewing, uh, we just kind of dive right in. And, and I want to uh, ask you a question that will set the tone and the scope and framing of our conversation. Give us a little bit of a breakdown, if you will, of uh, Genesis chapter two, and I'll share this with you. Um, we have found in today's culture, um, because of what we're dealing with, with some of the gender ideology and identity issues, is that we really need to go all the way back to the beginning and let's see, okay, what are we, who are we, what are our roles, et cetera. So if you could give us a, a, a breakdown, if you will, uh, to set the framing of this conversation of Genesis chapter two, but also kind of hinging on uh, what that means for women. Yeah, absolutely. This was um, one of my favorite things I discovered when I began studying this topic, I'll just read the verse so we are on the same page here. Okay. Uh, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so when I started to dive into that phrase, a helper fit for him, 
I began to see some really cool things that um, the woman is meant to be uh, complimentary help to the man. So we get a clue there, right? It's not um, super prescriptive, but there is a man and he is needing help. And whenever a human needs help, it's usually in areas that we're not as strong in, right? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so uh, two times God uses this phrase, um, a helper fit for him. And then if I go looking for that um, phrase, other places in the Old Testament, I see it, uh, I think it's like twice in reference to countries that Israel looked for, for help when instead of God, and maybe like 16 times, 15, 16 times in reference to God himself as Israel's help. Same phrase, same phrase. So that gives me a clue at, about what God was up to when he created the woman. Um, Moses names his son Eleazar because my father's God was my helper. Um, The psalmist writes in Psalm 33, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Um, God as our help is the refrain of a song in Psalm 115. Uh, All you Israelites trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So this idea of woman as a help and a shield is a lot different than a little helper, an assistant, um, a waitress. It's an ally. Um, and it's, it's an ally that's opposite the man. Um, so I think of it as two wings on an airplane, a right hand and a left hand. I've heard um, rabbis call it um, two, in an architecture, two boards leaning up against each other. And if you remove one, the other falls. Uh, so we're mm. meant to press against each other and um, and not so much that the others hurt, but actually so that the building's actually stronger than it would have been uh, with one board alone. So that's what I think at least part of what God's meaning when he says, I'm going to create a woman as a strong helper. That's the phrase I kind of came came up with from that. That's great. Well, Renee, if you would, can you jump in? Uh, and share with us the 25 ways that a woman is called to be the strong help to her husband. Uh, We published a a blog piece that dives into both how a man, 25 ways that a a husband uh, can be a Christ-like head, and you put in that 25 ways that a woman can be a strong help to her husband. By the way, if you want to check that out, you can go online, renew.org, men and women part 12. If you put that in a Google search, it'll come up. But Renee, would you walk us through the 25 ways that you describe? Yeah, absolutely. The first one is that she is a capable ally. There's that word again, in her husband's headship, using her God-given abilities to help build a high functioning complementary team. And when I was reflecting on these in preparation for this conversation again, um, really to summarize that point, women have to know themselves. If you don't know <laughs> how God made you, if you don't, if you don't know um, your strengths and your weaknesses, if you don't know your God-given personality, if you don't know the Holy Spirit's gifting in your life, you're really not gonna be able to do this very well. So you need help from God to know yourself. And a lot of times God uses community to help us do that. So if I were talking to young women, which I do a lot, um, I would say get in community with some older, wiser women 
who can help you understand who you are in Christ and who you are as a unique creation of God. Um, we're woefully ignorant of that um, in the church in general. I listen. I'm not. It's not beyond me. I keep a I keep a bookmark in my Bible. It's a little handy little list of who I am in Christ. So I can just combat the lies. And I've, I've got these in my notes app on my phone because um, I'm not beyond listening to the lies of the enemy whispered in my own ear. And so you really need to know who you are in Christ, know yourself so that you can move into um, that strong help, that ally that your husband needs you to be. You want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jump in. I thought Anthony had something through there. No, I. No, no, no. She's, know, she's good. writing a book, Renee. Anthony's writing a book on identity in Christ. So I was, I was thinking he was going to jump in and say, "Amen, sister." Uh, <laughs> let me, let me jump in. Amen, sister. No, you, you were, you were, you were hitting it right away. I was going to let you get through a couple of them before uh, I jumped in, but that is a great point uh, that that you made. And in, in that first one is just being reminded of who God says you are because society and the world has already kind of assigned you these roles. Uh, but God has already told us. So no, you're amen, sister. And for some reason, women are particularly susceptible to lies about identity. Um, maybe that's not true. I, don't, I talk to more women than I do men, but mm -hmm. I do find that it's almost epidemic level among women. They don't know who they are in Christ. They they don't have the secure um, relationship. Um, you know, God says in Scripture, "My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge." So, <laughs> if you don't know who you are, then mm -hmm. you will be destroyed. You you'll you'll fail in your calling as strong help. And so it's it, that's critical. I'm excited about your book. Oh, God bless. God bless. <laughs> Uh, all right. The second one, she guards her husband's reputation by blessing her husband with respect in her thoughts, in her words, and her actions, abstaining from complaining about him in casual conversation. So if you're a woman listening to this, you know what I'm talking about here. You have a running commentary in your head that critiques everything your husband does in regards to family life. He doesn't do the dishes the way you would. He doesn't feed the children the same food you would. He doesn't fix their hair the same way or dress them the same way, or maybe mow the yard when you would like for him to mow. Whatever it is, you have a running commentary. And so you have the ability through the power of the spirit to stop that. Stop that running commentary, take every thought captive in obedience to Christ and begin to speak inside your head and with your mouth only what is helpful for building others up. And you will find your attitude change about your husband. Um, God convicted me of this as a young mom. I used to fret about my husband feeding our children meat and dessert when he kept them. <laughs> and it seems silly now, you know, that I'm older, but it was a legit concern. And one day God just convicted my heart and said, Renee, you feed them most of the time, most of the days. They'll be fine eating meat and dessert. Free him to do it his way. And, and so that's just one small way. And I can just say God longs to have this conversation with you women and, and help you see your husband the way that he sees them. You know, what I love about what you're saying, my observation, Renee, is that 
men, uh, all men that, that I know, I don't want to, I guess I shouldn't say all men. Most men have this uh, radar detector for respect. Uh, uh, they've been created by God and they want to do good, noble things and live good, noble lives. And uh, we're just longing that our wives would have respect for our true intentions around that. So I think that's that's pretty pretty awesome. Keep going. We could we could literally. This is so good. Uh, and all those uh, men listening to this are going to be going amen uh, to each of these. That we could do this for a couple hours, but we better keep moving. All right, we're going to keep moving. She personally commits to her own spiritual growth and cooperates in the spiritual growth of her family. So I was a young mom and I had been able to, I was 27 when I had our first child. I'd been able to keep God in a neat little box. I had my quiet time. I had my time I went to church. I had my small group. And then I was just kind of living my life. And then this child comes on the scene and I, she takes over my life as babies do. They have a lot of needs. And so um, I was kind of floundering and a wiser mentor uh, looked at me. I was describing this to her. She looked at me and she said, can you do five minutes a day with the Lord? And I was like, well, I really can't make an excuse not to do five minutes a day. <laughs> Surely I can find five minutes, even with an infant. She said, start there and then make it 10 and then make it 15 and then get up to where you want to be. She didn't condemn me. She didn't wag her finger at me. And that was a doable challenge. And from there, um, I thought, you know what? I really am going to do better if I have some accountability. So I found um, a Bible study fellowship group. There's lots of different kind of Bible study groups you can find in your area. I'm sure D groups are phenomenal for this, but they didn't really exist when <laughs> I was raising my kids. And so um, I knew that I was going to do my homework if I was going to be in a class with other women. And so I, I held myself accountable in that way for several years until I felt like I could take those guardrails down and continue on um, in my walk with the Lord. So you figure it out again, like the Lord wants to answer this question for you. When I said, you know, I don't know when I can do this, God, when can I do my five minutes, my 10 minutes, my 15 minutes, clearest day, 5 a.m. And I pitched a fit. Nobody else has to get up at 5 a.m. My kids get up super early. Their kids sleep till eight o'clock and God's like 5 a.m. And for the first month, um, I didn't even have to use my alarm. It was set, but I always woke up just a couple of minutes before 5 a.m. And that was the Lord as well. He wants to answer this for you. My answer is not your answer on the time, the exact timing or the class, but God will answer that for you. Commit to your own personal spiritual growth. You can't be an ally to your husband otherwise. Number four is a big one. She's ready to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me to her husband and children. And David was uh, just phenomenal at this. Um, and I think that's probably pretty unusual for men, especially young men. We married at 21. And right off the bat, he was real quick to say, I'm sorry, and try to make amends. And so he modeled that for me. And I was able to, over time, learn to reciprocate and be the one who also initiates, um, and I'm sorry, although I will still say he's better than I <laughs> at that. Mm. But forgiveness, um, offering, extending um, an apology and asking for forgiveness is one of the most empowering things you can do. And we, we made it um, a rule of life for our family as well. Even with a two-year-old, you know, if I had misbehaved, I asked my two-year-old, you know, 
that I would, I'm, I'm wrong. M mommy was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And, um, it just creates such a beautiful temperature in your home. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I've got a question about, uh, number five, uh, what you've got <laughs> down here. Okay. Do you want to ask yeah. her? You want me to read it first? Read it and then I'll respond. Okay. She courageously faces the world shoulder to shoulder with her husband, respecting and encouraging his initiating leadership. So the question would be, and I know you've already got uh, the, the deep response here, but the question is, how do you balance that shoulder to shoulder, but also he's head? Like in some context that could be uh, you know, a dichotomy, but, but you've got them both in this one line. So I'm going to let you deal with that pretzel. Well, um, <laughs> I think it's critical. Um, this, there's a scripture that talks to husbands specifically that says husbands deal with your wives in an understanding way. Mm -hmm. So men are, men are required to understand not only women, but their particular wife. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when my husband understands what my giftings are and who I am, he is able to step out in leadership and then quickly turn to me if I'm more of, say, the expert in an area. Or, for example, our children. I was home with our children all day long. And, and so when he initiated um, some sort of discipline, um, he would always refer to me first because he knew I was the one who kind of had my thumb on the pulse of how they were doing. And he knew, okay, here's what we're working on. Um, character trait wise in each individual child. Here's um, perhaps a besetting sin that's in their life. But he would check in with me. He wouldn't just forge ahead uh, because he knew I was the one who had the hours. Mm -hmm. I had the quantity mm -hmm. time with them um, that he didn't have. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you uh, that there's a book, Love and Respect, and that it talks about how much men love shoulder to shoulder cooperation yes. with women, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, one young husband told me like the best day of their marriage was the day he and his wife went fishing all day <laughs> <laughs> because she, she went with him. She, you know, she followed his initiative and went on that date with him doing something that he loved to do. And you better believe he's reciprocating to her. Um, and so that's how I would, I would say um, it's a, it's a dance. There's not um, the book of first husbands and wives that spells this out. This mm -hmm. is a dance mm -hmm. and you're going to have to walk in step with the Holy spirit and you'll mess up. You know, I'll, I, mm -hmm. I'm a strong personality. I would push out ahead and would have to pull back and I would have to let him push out ahead and bite my tongue. Um, but it's so beautiful. You're really taking each other from strength to strength when you're doing it um, oh, from I a place like of um, goodwill. I just, I just love uh the description that you have of each of these, Renee. Well, let's talk about number six. She intentionally develops her inner beauty by discipling or disciplining her reactions and responses to her husband. Yeah, this particularly um, is addressed in 1 Peter 3. Um, we know women how to manipulate men, and men are bigger, stronger, faster, generally, across, um, across the board, and so we use beauty and we use words and we can withhold sexual intimacy with our husbands to get what we want. So it, it means the, all that's off the board, off the table. Um, 
First Corinthians seven says you're not allowed to withhold sex from one another, except for a time of prayer. And that your body is not your own. The husband's body belongs to the wife and the wife's body belongs to the husband. So there's no manipulation. There's no passive aggressiveness and there's no bulldozing. And that just depends on your personality. <laughs> I'd be a bulldozer, mm. but I've got friends who would say they would be the passive aggressive one. Mm. And um, you can't do that. You don't do that. And you wouldn't do it with your friends. You wouldn't, it wouldn't go well with your friends. You certainly don't want to do it as you're representing Christ in the church in your marriage. So to, to underline that you're saying all uh, tactics of manipulation off the table, off the table, Ooh. no manipulation. You know, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, Bobby, I'm so glad we got our own here. Um, <laughs> number seven, she gives wise counsel to her husband as they plan the future. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is if you're growing in wisdom and that's a prayer God wants to answer. Um, James you know, writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously. So I tell all my young wives, just ask. If you don't know the wise move, ask God, seek his wisdom in his word, seek an older woman who's lived longer than you. Um, so it's your responsibility, women, to grow in wisdom. You know, Renee, what, one of the things I like about what you're saying, and you've said it a couple of times now, is for younger uh, wives to get the counsel of older women. Uh, this is something that is not happening in our world today. Uh, oftentimes, younger women are just taught that they're as wise as older women. But in Scripture, it's one of the things that God really teaches you know, for the older women to disciple and teach the younger women. So I, I appreciate that you keep bringing that up. Let's go to number eight. Uh, you mentioned this earlier, but but uh, I know there'll be a lot of interest in this one. She yields her body to her husband as he also yields his body to her uh, with neither depriving the other of sexual intimacy except for a time of prayer. And that's based on 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. Yeah, you know, I'm, we're 31 years into this uh, journey of marriage. And so we are now starting to see a, several of our peers' marriages dissolve um, at a very natural time as the children leave the house. It's a really common time for, for marriages to fall apart. And as I talk to uh, women and uh, the subject of sex comes up, it's almost always without fail. They've stopped having sex. So Tim Keller calls it covenant renewal. You know, you see this in scripture, whenever God um, wants to remind you of something really important, he, he creates a covenant renewal ceremony. So the Lord's Supper is something that we do to remind us, oh, hey, right, Jesus is risen from the dead. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He's preparing a place for us. I'm united um, with Christ in God, and I'm gonna be joined to him. And you re remind ourselves of that week after week after week. When you stop the covenant renewal ceremony of sexual intercourse, you are, you are throwing away the glue that God is meant for you and your spouse. Uh, I talk to a lot of young women and when I give them this counsel and they obey, they will say that they're, um, it's not about the sex, Maybe they enjoyed it. Maybe they didn't enjoy it. 
their attitude changes towards one another. His attitude changes towards her and hers towards him. Now, um, where a lot of hurt comes in is where men use manipulation. Um, they'll use kindness to get the, get what they want, and then they'll go back to being harsh with their wives, and that creates a lot of distrust and a lot of harm. And if that goes mm -hmm. on for too long, we have a real big problem. So mm -hmm. it's a sticky it's a sticky conversation, but the general principle is very clear. The principle is you do this. You do this with regularity unless you're praying and fasting over an issue. And my guess is a lot of people aren't praying and fasting over much of anything. So oh. there's that to be that there's that to notice as well. Are you praying and fasting with your spouse about stuff anyway? Wow, that was really oh man, that was deep because yeah, even if that's a case you still have the other side of that, which you bring up at the end, which is the prayer and fasting. Like, are we even engaging in that practice together? Uh, which leads to, I think, what we got for number nine as well, which is she prays, uh, she prays with and for her husband on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we counseled our two children to go slowly praying with the person they were dating because we knew the intimacy that it creates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, you just need to be just as careful with, with that as you would a lot of things in your relationship to remain pure. And so you want to use this to your advantage in your marriage. Mm -hmm. It creates intimacy. You want to know what's on your husband's mind? Sit down and pray with him for five or 10 minutes. Husbands, you want to know what's on your wife's heart? What's really bubbling up? Just pray with her for five or 10 minutes and listen listen to what she says and the concerns of her. If she's being honest, the concerns of her heart will bubble to the top. This gives you great information on how you can love one another well and respect one another. Um, so yeah, I, you know, even during the day, sometimes David will text me and be like, Oh my goodness, can you please pray for me? I've got this big meeting coming up or I've got this hiccup here at work. I need, I need prayer coverage on that. And yeah, I'll just stop and pray or I'll send him a text prayer. I'll text it to him. Um, you can voice memo it. There's so many great ways you can stay in connection with one another in prayer. It's super important. Do you think that that's, you know, the the kind of individual way that, that people can grow sometimes? Do you think that that leads to uh, some of the lack of intimacy, speaking in terms of relationship, that he's you know, he's on his own spiritual journey and prayer journey and he's not really thinking and she's on hers. And so, you know, they may come together to pray, but it's just kind of general because I'm on my own track and I'm on your, you're on yours versus, hey, we're in this together. You know, imagine if he's got something concerned on his heart, a concern that may concern her, but we got to pray about it together. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's not a time for the passive aggressive, please help my husband. So you're telling you're telling God on him right then, like, hey God, you <laughs> Oh Lord help me. <laughs> hey, that that's uh ties right in with number ten. Yeah. She listens attentively to her husband and responds to his concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm so proud of my young women. I've been um, mentoring for the last several years, discipling. I had a conversation with one of them recently and um, she could tell something was bothering her husband and they've just had a lot of life changes, a move, an aging grandparent, 
um, small children, just a lot of things that are stressful. And so she said, you know, hey, can we sit down and talk? I think you've got some stuff on your mind. And the way he responded to her was very um, cruel. Um, he criticized her weight um, and how she was taking care of herself. And um, she held her tongue. And she said, you know, thank you for telling me that. I'd like to stop the conversation now and talk to God about it and then pick this back up tomorrow. And let me just tell you, I'm not sure I would have told David Sproles that <laughs> he said that to me. Oh, and man. so she held her tongue and turned the other cheek because um, really he was out of line. He could have said it in a better way and um, returned to it in the morning when she was in a better um, place and could see that there was um, a thread of truth about what he was observing in her, but it had been said with cruelty. She was able to uh, kind of peel back the cruelty and see the truth and um, continue the conversation. And then he was able to go, you know what? That was really kind of out of line. I'm sorry I said it that way. So um, yeah, that this is a tough one. You know, listening attentively and responding to concerns, especially when they're personally about you, um, the more relational capital capital you have with one another, the more you're filling each other's love tank by knowing each other's mm -hmm. love languages, the better those conversations are going to go. Mm -hmm. I want to look at this. Both of these, I think it's number 11 and 12 hinge on the same passage uh, in first Timothy chapter five, verse 14. She manages the household with excellence, discussing responsibilities with her husband and ensuring their response reasonably distributed, and she faithfully and wisely stewards family time, money, and other resources. So help us with those, her managing uh, capabilities. Yeah, so Timothy calls the, um, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, he calls women the despot is the word, despot of the home. Every other place that's used in scripture is Lord. Ooh. or master so Ooh. again this is a um, headship strong help women being masters of the home this is gravity this is not a good idea this is not um oh this is a best practice and if you could live this way no this is the way the world works this is reality and so we would do well to just embrace reality women and and realize that god has handed us a lot of power and with a lot of power comes comes responsibility to wield that well. So we we can very much set the tone of the home. We um, a lot of times are the ones that are doing a lot of the purchasing of the household goods, um, being in communication with your husband and honoring the budget that that the two of you have decided on um, is very important. Um, I, we always felt like, as we discussed it, it was my responsibility to um, divvy up the household, the running of the household. So if I'm overwhelmed, then what am I not delegating? Mm. And mm -hmm. so we would revisit different seasons of life required different um, delegation. When I began to work full time, we had a family meeting and we sat down and redistributed the work. And... And so he relied on me heavily for that. And it's worked really well for us. There's a great book called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky that talks about this. 
um, how you sit down with one another and delegate responsibilities. And what does it mean if you're in charge of the dishes? What does that mean? That means from beginning to end, <laughs> from they're in the sink to the dishwasher or washed and put away. You know, a, a job from beginning to end. You're taking the kids to soccer. That means you get the equipment together, you get them there. And when you're home, the equipment gets put up. That's mm -hmm. the job beginning to end. For every couple, it's going to look different because we're all in different kind of stages of life and we have different giftings. But I really firmly believe that that kind of falls under 1 Timothy 5, that that's my job to say, hey, here's how I think the household would run best. And if David has thoughts, I need to listen to those um, and shift accordingly. But um, but yeah, it's it's I don't see this done a lot. It's one of the areas I think that young women and men really could stand to um, just be a little more intentional about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. they're just in life. I think they're just winging it a lot of times in this area. So Renee, uh, point number 13 uh, really ties in with this, that the woman sets a positive tone for the home, helping make it a place of uh, respite and refuge, that the emotional environment of the home is often set uh, by the woman uh, in terms of the children's attitude toward the their father and their attitude toward their husband and just how you work through all these things together. Comment briefly on that. Yeah, David and I were pretty intentional. He saw this modeled really well with his dad. Um, he would talk to the kids about me um, and how much I do for our family, how much he appreciates it, um, how beautiful I am. And I would do the same. Dad works so hard for us um, in these ways. We can always count on him. We're, I'm so grateful that we have this dad in our lives. Um, you're just using words to build each other up. It was our family verse, um, encourage one another and build each other up. It was just one of our verses we went back to again and again and again, uh, because I think really um, when God commands us in terms of our words, he's not saying don't be a meanie. I mean, maybe <laughs> on a, some, some kind of, maybe some sort of shallow level he is, no, no, we have the power to bless and curse, to actually curse. So, so he's saying, don't do that. You are wielding power. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of you and you can curse another human being by your words and you can also bless them. So wield your words for good um, and watch what happens. The energy in your home will change. Mm. Mm. Here's some, some more strong help for us. Uh, number 14, she helps her husband stay attuned to the spiritual, physical, and emotional needs of their children. Yeah, I um, we homeschooled, so I was home with our children all day. Um, but a lot, I mean, really for even moms who have children in um, public school or private school, and they're the ones who see them after school. They're the ones who know um, kind of what's going on. We just, we kept an index card on the fridge for a lot of years, at least through the elementary years of what was, what we were working on um, with each child individually. And we would have couch time. We called it couch time because we'd sit on the couch when he got home from work. <laughs> and I was like, talk to me. I need an adult to talk to me. I need to hear adult words. And um, the kids were not allowed to interrupt, you know, unless it was like a bleeding emergency or something. 
And uh, I would catch him up. Here's how our day went. Here's what's going on. Um, here's a here's a problem I see coming up again and again in an attitude with our children or or here's what I see them doing really, really well. It'd be great if you could cheer them on in that way and and thank them for making those improvements. Um, physical touch and praise with children is huge. And um, there's a lot of admonitions in scripture for fathers not to be harsh with their children. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you can be harsh with your children. <laughs> so um, the wife can really be a help in this way and just pointing out, hey, go go point, go say this. Or David would write like a note, you know, in their in their lunchbox, which we ate at our house because we weren't going anywhere, but he still did it, you know. <laughs> he still would write them notes, leave it on their pillow, leave it in, you know, in the kitchen. It's powerful. They still have them. You know, we'll find, we'd find them in their closet years later. Wow. Uh, Renee, uh, number 15 and 16 seem to be getting at the same thing. She follows through with commitments she has made to her husband and family, and she, she reacts with calm wisdom toward problems in her husband, uh, trusting uh, in God even when her husband doesn't, and resisting the temptation to compare him to other men. What I see going on here is uh, she's resisting uh, resentment and uh, bitterness, and she's forgiving and trusting God and trusting uh, her husband in God's hands. Uh, Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, you know, I think we, we're, we're expecting to go, okay, I forgive my husband. And there's like this instant, beautiful change inside of us. And most of the times it doesn't really work that way. I mean, I just told my husband, you're going to need to give me 30 minutes. Uh, he, cause mm. he would, he would initiate the, he would initiate so many times the reconciliation and he'd be like, why are you still upset? Why are you still mad? And I'd just be like, okay, just give me a second. But for bigger things, um, for big hurts, um, big breaches of trust. Forgiveness is a lot like grief. It's just going to kind of hit you. You can decide I forgive. And then when that wave hits you again, you turn it right back over to the Lord. I forgive him. I forgive him again. And I just picture like in my hands, handing that burden over to the Lord. I'm handing it to Jesus until that feeling doesn't give me that thought that hurt doesn't give me such a charge anymore. And then I know I'm making progress. So um, I think we we think, oh, no, I'll just never get to the bottom of this forgiveness thing. You will. You will. But just don't be surprised when it comes back over, over you in waves. Help us with uh, number 17. Uh, she refuses to give way to fear. What was on your mind? Yeah, on that one? This, this is um, from the scripture that says... Um, that we should not fear anything that is frightening in terms of wives submitting to husbands. Um, and so, you know, I think of Abram and Sarah, you know, he turned her over to Pharaoh. <laughs> he hauled her out to dry, not once, yeah. but twice. Yeah. Yeah. And she, that woman held her tongue and I am still figuring that one out. <laughs> so if she can do it, I can do it. And uh, my husband is not going to feel respected and supported and like he has an ally if I am living in constant fear. I mean, men love to protect. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things they love to do. And so Mm -hmm. um, I am telling him I don't feel protected. 
So first and foremost, you allow God to protect you. And that goes back to this, who I am in Christ stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. realize what all the things God's protected you from, from the accusations of Satan, from the fear of death, from eternal punishment for sin and mitigate that in your own life and then move out into the rest of life. Like you, so many women live in fear, fear of the future. And it just, it, it sucks the joy out of life. And there are, there's some great resources on how to cultivate um, a joy um, house inside your brain instead of a fear house mm. and, um, and fear um, relationships based in fear are never, are never a relationship that brings a lot of fruit. And so you want to, you want to take every thought captive and listen, I've just, I've done this recently, a 28 day joy challenge to try and help my help switch that, that thing in my brain that wants to go to fear. I want to look for, um, in the garden, I want to enjoy the flowers and not be on the lookout for bees constantly. And when you're constantly on the lookout for bees, you can't live in joy. You know, uh, number 18 is actually uh, the antidote uh, to fear. And that is she cultivates an attitude of contentment for the life she shares with her husband and family. You know, um, somebody once described uh, contentment is being grateful for what we've got instead of focusing on what we don't have. One of the things that Anthony and I talked about earlier, Renee, is that in Genesis 3.16, part of the curse with which men and women struggle uh, on the woman's side is her desire will be for her husband and he will rule over her. So it it seems to be getting at the proclivity, apart from Christ, of men for toxic masculinity. But with women, the desire will be for her husband. In other words, a woman's desire is that her husband would be, uh, literally be Jesus to her. And that a lot of women spend a lot of time focusing on uh, what what I've uh, heard before is the problem in my life is the man in my life. And uh, contentment with her life and with her husband is the opposite of that. Talk to us about how that works. Oh yeah, um, I was totally guilty of this in my 20s. My, I expected David to be everything to me. Uh, I was head over heels in love from, with him from the time we met at 18. We always joked that if we'd met at 16, we would have been married by 18. So God kept us in two different states. <laughs> so we, and we're very highly um, compatible personality wise. We see the world really similarly and life, is ju- life was just great. And then he had a health scare and a skin cancer scare. And I came completely apart. I came unglued. And um, that showed me that um, I had him and um, I mean, it was idol worship really. And I had to repent of that that sin that you're talking about in Genesis three, of that my, my desire for him to be my everything and put God in his rightful place. And I'm grateful to God that he showed me that as a 25 year old woman and not as a 50 year old woman. Um, and so once I released him from that, he was so much more free to fulfill my needs in ways that were reasonable. Mm. Um, so I feel I, I'm a quality time person and that is the great black hole. So I feel for all you husbands who have quality time. 
wives. <laughs> we want lots and lots of time with you. But um, that's not only in relationship. I think um, financially, um, a lot of people can fall into a spirit of poverty. So um, we lived on one income very simply for 20 years, the first 20 years we were married. Um, and then things started to kind of shift that 20th year and, and, and change. But um, we never wanted our children to feel like worried about, about things. And, and I didn't want David to feel like he wasn't providing well for our family. And so you can cultivate a spirit of abundance with a spirit of expectation. How's gonna, how is God going to multiply? the resources that we have. Pray over your grocery list before you go in the store and say, Lord, this is what I think we need, you know, to feed our family well. Show us, show me how you're going to show up. Um, I had a young, uh, young mom who told me that she prayed over her yard sale list. She had a list of things they needed. And she's like, Lord, I've got six children. You know, I need these things for our family. Please help me find them at these yard sales. I mean, spirit of abundance versus spirit of poverty. And, um, and so, yeah, I never, I wanted my children, we wanted the children to have a really healthy view of money and they were going to take their cues from us. Mm. So it's in relationships, but it's also in material. She's yeah. interested in her husband's work and is grateful for his contribution to the family's security. Yeah, that goes back to couch time. You know, I was, we were mm. daily, daily, we were talking, how did your day at work go? Tell me what's going on. So I knew all the work, um, you know, companions, the men and women he worked with, I knew what was going on in their lives. Um, and then he knew what was going on in our life here at home um, with the children. Uh, and it's really sometimes just as simple as thank you for working hard for our family. And he would say the same thing to me. Thank you for running our home well. Or when I worked outside the home, thank you for helping provide so that we can do these things in the future for our children. Um, you need to be interested in your husband's work because I'll tell you, other people are. Mm -hmm. mm. Hey, Renee, uh, let me jump in here with uh, 20 and 21. She upholds sound, biblically supportive family values, and she expresses her ideas and opinions respectfully without belittling, belittling or domineering. One of the things that I, cause I know David known him over the years. I mean, that guy's a great husband. Yeah, um, I, I, when I hear your stories of him, I think he's a better husband than I am kind of thing. What does a woman do with these two areas uh, when she's not married to such a good man? Ooh. Yeah. Um, that's that's really a hard one um, because I naively, until I started working uh, for a church, I naively believed most marriages were like my own. <laughs> and then I was like, whoa, oh my goodness, there's so many unhappy marriages out there. Um, but obedience brings its own understanding. Jesus tells us that um, if you are truly my disciples, you will obey me then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he doesn't say like, get it all straight in your head and understand good and well while I'm asking you to do these things. And then you can go ahead and obey. No, he says like the obedience actually brings the understanding. 
So to a woman who is up against a, a really joyless obedience, I would say press through, like find your courage and press through and find the understanding that God wants to give you and um, be relentless in prayer for the good of your husband. Um, you know, I think it's in Peter where he says, you know, hold your tongue. He's, he's going to see your actions and he's going to get won over by that. And so I would, I would be, you know, very selective with my words and much more overt with my actions um, in those areas. If I were, if I were in a marriage that were joyless. Mm, that is beautiful. Beautiful. I, I just had to let that sit for a moment. Um, she is trustworthy. Her husband and children know they can depend on her to follow through in word and deed. Yeah. I mean, this is just as uh, the, like goes back to the command, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, mm -hmm. and if something was not going to go um, the way that I had told David it was going to go, I just said, hey, thanks. You know, my day got away from me. Here's what's happening now. Same thing to me. You know, nothing made me more angry <laughs> than oh. when he would leave in the morning and go, OK, I'll be I'll be home at five. I'll see you at five. And something would come up. And he wouldn't be home till 530 or 545 and I wouldn't hear from him. I'm like, it would be better if you never told me when to expect you. <laughs> like, don't even tell me than to stay a time and then for you not to follow through. And so it, it that holds true for me as well. Um, if we again, if we've decided to run the house a particular way, I follow through. If we've decided we're working on something with our children, I do it, even though I don't want to stop what I'm doing and deal with the child. You know, I, I we follow through on our family goals. Um, you've got to be dependable. And the same for him. I so appreciate when he said, I'm going to do such and such project, home project. Nine times out of 10, he just did it. Mm. Just did it. And the constant, you know, I know a lot of husbands, um, this is just one little aside that doesn't really go with this. A lot of husbands are like, just ask me, just ask me to do it. Well, you know what? Like, we don't like asking all the time. It feels like nagging. And so that goes back to that fair play discussion. You know, just discuss what's important to the two of you. How do we want our house to look? How do we want our house to run? And let's divide this up and let's be reliable. You know, with our kids, we're looking for eight out of 10 times obedience in an area before we say, okay, I feel like they're mastering that. Let's move on. That's what you want for yourself as yeah. well. So Renee, uh, 23 and 24, it uh, seemed to me are, are tied together. And I think 23 is one of the most important uh, principles. So let me, let me read it. She joins a discipling group of women who are dedicated to improving their skills as disciples, wives, and mothers. And 24, she helps make things right with grace and mercy when family members make mistakes. Here's what I, I think you're getting at, is it's really easy for women to get with other women and complain uh, about their problems. Uh, and then it just, it's complaining that in, can, in some ways can make it worse. Whereas what I see you describing, and by the way, men need this uh, as much as women, is when we get with other people who are trying to help us to, who are in fact, helping us in a discipling relationship to trust and follow Jesus 
And so when we get advice, it's going to be about forgiveness, about love, and about commitment, so that number 24, uh, in terms of the grace and mercy with family members, will come out of those discipling relationships, correct? Yes, you, you need to, you don't want yes women in your life. If you, if you just have yes women in your life who are going to um, just go right along with you when you start complaining about your husband, you need to find some different friends. Um, it's your responsibility to find a discipleship group. Um, you, I know you're sitting there maybe thinking, oh, she's probably so busy. I've got news for you. The busy people are who have time to do this because we know how to manage our time well. And if you're faithful, available, teachable, reliable person, I'm going to make time for you. And, and, um, you know, you have not because you ask not. Mm. And the women who come to me and ask, um, they get my time. And when they prove faithful, they get more of my time. And so it's your responsibility to find these people in your, in your lives and, um, older women, you need to take that command seriously and make yourself available to, um, to be there. One of the best um, things that I've done with my young women when they start to complain about their husbands, because you do need a space where you, a safe space where you have someone who can hear um, your disappointments about your husband and not pile on. Um, and what we do now generally is we'll stop and I'll, I'll just say, let's ask Jesus about that. Mm. And we'll sit, um, you got to get okay with the silence. We'll sit in silence and I'll just say, Hey, Jesus, will you show this wife what's really going on in her husband's heart? Can you show her what the motivations are of why he's behaving in this way? Can you give her some insight into this situation? Cause I know you love them both and we'll just sit. And you just sit for 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half. That's a long time to sit with oh, someone yeah. else in silence. <laughs> yes. And Jesus will speak to that woman's heart. And then she'll tell me, well, you know, this is what he's, he's, and she'll, through tears, she'll be weeping. This is what's going on. Or this is, this is the insight. Or she'll have a memory of, of something that's happened a couple of months ago. Um, you, any woman can do that. I don't have to come up with every piece of wise advice, I can go straight to the one who can give all the wise advice. And so I really encourage women to get with someone who will do that with them. Just go to the Lord and say, Hey, here's my disappointments. Here's my hurts. Turn your face to me, Lord, speak to me in this space and uh, minister to me and show me truth. He wants to do it. So Renee, uh, why don't you uh, describe the last one uh, about starting over? Because I know a lot of people watching or listening, they're thinking men, or not, they're not thinking men, it's women thinking, well, I have not lived this way with my husband and uh, 25 is hope. And if you'll comment on that, and then Anthony, I think will bring us to a close. Well, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is today. Ooh. So if you haven't done this, you can start today. God is the God of new beginnings. He's the God of multiplication. 
Um, that one of the, my favorite Psalms, I can't quote it exactly, but it's um, the righteous man, though he falls again and again, he won't plunge headlong because the mm. Lord holds his hand. So it may feel like you've been plunging headlong, but if you've been walking with the Lord, actually, he's been holding your hand. He wants to help you get back up again. As a recovering perfectionist, you know, I'm preaching to myself here. <laughs> it's, it's okay to start over when you know who you are in Christ. Uh, you know, you're not losing a relationship when you make a mistake. You're not losing a relationship when you sin, but you do have work to do to make things right. And he wants nothing more than for all the good things he has planned for you and in store for you to come to pass in partnership with his spirit inside of you. So start over. It's the enemy who says there's no new beginnings. It's the enemy who says this will never change. It's the enemy who says you can't start over. It's impossible. Those are lies. Those are lies from the pit of hell. And you, and you take those thoughts captive and you throw them out and you replace them with the truth and you start over whether or not, whether or not your husband is willing to start over, you can start over watch what the Lord can do with your obedience. Mm, wow. Listen, we really uh, appreciate your time and your wisdom in these uh, in this area. It's just the depth is profound on all of these points. And we're thankful for um, your writing on this real quickly. What are what are your writings on um, here recently? What, what have you written? Well, male and female was the big one, Anthony. Like, yeah, like have mercy. We were so glad to get this thing out. But um <laughs> Hopefully I'm going to start doing a series um, of book reviews um, for Renew. I'm reading Toxic Masculinity by uh, Nancy Piercy right now. Phenomenal book, phenomenal yes. book. that um, has got a lot of great insight on into um, into the toxic war on masculinity, which is. Hey, Renee, as part of our series, we have an interview with Nancy Piercy. You get to interview her. Uh, it's gonna. She's. I've listened to several interviews on this book, and um, the 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 statistics that she quotes are so encouraging to me. Um, that my and so I'm excited to write about it. I'm excited to hear the interview um, when you do it. Uh, but yeah, I gender. Who knew that this was God's path for me? But men and women, gender, family. That's usually where I'm, you'll find me writing. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, this interview and all that you've shared with us. And thank you all for uh, hanging in with us here on Scripture in Black and White. We hope that this has been uh, very beneficial to you. We've talked about uh, the 25 for men and Renee has helped us with the 25 list for women as well. Uh, so from Bobby, uh, Renee, and I, we thank you here in Scripture in Black and White, and we will see you on the next time. Thank you for listening to Scripture in Black and White. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Coming up next, Sex and Marriage, an interview with Joe B.